Hey, I want to dive in tonight. I, I, I have a message. I, I really, I don't know why Wednesday nights seem to have something, but I, I got something in me. Hopefully, hopefully it comes out the way I'm imagining it. Uh, I, I want to talk about living in the gap in between your prayer and your promise. The in-between, your prayer and your promise. And have you ever asked God for a miracle? You're praying for something. Maybe you're single. You're praying for that, that, that special someone, that, that husband, that wife. And, you know, maybe, maybe you're an entrepreneur. You've been praying, God, I got a dream to start a business. Um, you know, uh, maybe it's restoration of a broken relationship. Maybe, God, there's... there's there's your word that says we could have a restoration and healing in our life, and, and I'm, I'm holding on to your promises. And so you're asking God to heal a broken marriage, a broken family, a broken relationship. Um, I don't know what the impossible is. You can fill in the gap, but there's always a season. There's a gap. There's a living in a space of a difficult time. From when you have grabbed a hold of this prayer and believed that what you prayed will come true to the actual fruition of the prayer that you've been praying, the promise. And I have found myself learning how to navigate that gap. And however you navigate it is going to determine your destiny. It's going to determine what you actually live out. Because here's, here's what we know the problem is never God. <laughs> Let me just say it again. The problem is never God. I, I, I don't know about you. I'm a little nervous about getting into heaven. And I don't really want God to show me everything he had for me. Because I'm sure there's a gap of where I'm living versus what he had. And so the more mature we get, and I'm, it's Wednesday night. So we got to close that gap. We got to close this gap. Like, I, I don't want to get to heaven and realize there's a whole lot left on the table that I should have done, that God gave me. Think about this. God gave you grace for it. God gave you spiritual giftings for it. God gave you relationships for it. God gave you the breath in your lung for it. God gave everything to you for this assignment. And what you got to realize is we're responsible as to whether or not we actually fill in this gap. What are we doing? What are we doing? You know? And I found myself encouraging myself. I, I went back. Uh, I went back and started watching some moving forward messages. How many were with us when I preached those moving forward messages back in BF Terry? And y'all remember that we we stood up and we've been praying. Uh, Twenty eighteen, we had some revival services, and there was a word that was spoken that uh, God was going to give us a land or a building or something. And I'll never forget, we had already completed our hurricane relief in this building. I'll never forget, I was standing about over here, back on this side of the drums. And we, we had this entire place. We did over, I think it was 50 semis full of goods. It was 1.6, 1.7 million pounds of goods came through this place to, to help reach southeast Texas. In over 400 different distribution locations, 4,000 plus volunteers just in this building, not to mention Navarro, 
where we had other goods and services and volunteers. And I'll never forget standing over there, and the owner and I, he's a, he was a Muslim man, and him and I were talking, and I said, boy, this sure would make a great church. You know, I guess as a church planner, you're always, oh, he's like, yeah. I said, well, how much? And he said, well, it's $2.3 million. And I remember saying, whew, can't really afford that. You know, and just, just saying, okay, well, that's okay. At the time, we couldn't afford it. And, but I'll never forget that conversation right there and just thinking, well, God, who knows? Maybe this would be a great place to, to have a church. And then through God's providence, just a couple years later, 2018, we began to look for land and uh, thought we'd build from the ground up this place. Uh, we just thought, well, we're not sure if it's quite adequate for what we want, especially pre-COVID and what we were seeing God do. And uh, never forget, I just flew back in just before this service from Tulsa with Pastor Willie George, one of my mentors. Anybody remember good old Gospel Bill? Gospel Bill, any old, older folk up in here? Gospel Bill, Willie George. So he was sitting out in the parking lot with me, not tonight, but it was in 2019. And uh, he had come and preached for me and did a whole series and he did a great job. And I never forget, we're talking about this building, said, hey, we think this might be an opportunity. And he said, I said, but I just don't know if it's big enough because it's, you know, our dream is a little bit bigger. The growth that we had experienced so rapidly, it's like, well, you don't want to build something too small. And I never forget, he said, God rarely moves in leaps, but his pattern is moving in steps. We love the leaps, he said, but it's step by step, line by line, precept by precept. And uh, just another, you know, moment of just clarity for us. We began to pursue this property, and I'm going somewhere. Uh, but it was a miracle when we got this property. Absolute miracle. I mean, I'll never forget standing on the stage in December of 2019 and saying, hey, it's going to take, you remember, a million dollars in 100 days. And uh, I felt like this and our trustees and overseers and we all were in agreement, like this is a property we need to advance towards. And I'll never forget praying and saying, okay, God, we don't, I didn't need to build my kingdom. I, I was good portable. You got some pastors that they're a little frustrated with portable. We never had struggles pulling trailers. We had four trailers with an army of guys with trucks. So portable was never a pain for me. And I like portable because you can continue to grow. What was nerve-wracking is, okay, if we stake claim on a piece of property and we don't get it, ooh, that's pretty painful. You know, if we say, God, this might be you, and it doesn't turn out to be God, how I many know you're like, oh, well, we'd never raised a million dollars. You know, we'd, we'd seen our budget come through, and I showed it to you guys in Vision Sunday. And so it was a big step, but I remember just saying, God, I don't need it. I can do whatever. You just have to give me a word because here's what I've learned if you don't try to build, well, here's where you won't take a step of faith. You won't take a step of faith if you're trying to build your reputation. Because you're really nervous, like if I fell. But if you're willing to, to, to build his reputation and say, God, I'll do it for you, you, you then will say, okay, I just need a yes from you, though. How I many know, you know, I got to have a word for it. I can't have my trustee's word. I can't have my consultant's word. Because the consultant came in and said, hey, you got it in the house. The, the, the architect said we could do it. You know, Bobby's, we all got it. Pavel's like, pastor, I got you. We're, the, the team is lined up. But how I many know, I need more than just an affirmation from the outside. So it'll take a miracle. God, I need to know. Anybody ever had that knowing? You ever ask God for the knowing and... 
I'll never forget Jeremiah 32, 27. I, I opened up a 20-year-old journal. I was at corporate prayer on a Saturday morning at 9 o'clock. That's why you need to go to corporate prayer Saturday at 9 o'clock right here. You say, but God hadn't spoken. Well, maybe it's because you didn't come to prayer. <laughs> I'm just joking. It's just it's stupid. I know, stupid. And there was something on the inside. It was, it was like, I got it. Like, it was like he spoke audibly, but it wasn't audible. I just, it was the words that came off the, it was in the right moment. It was at the, and I never forget, I, I said, no turning back. And I stood up, I said, hey, we got to raise a million dollars in 100 days to be the best decision, the worst decision. I picked up my goldfish, said, who's with me? Come on. Not, not really, but it was kind of that moment. Remember, I was, it was a scary moment. But I felt the Lord gave me a promise. Some of you, God has given you a promise to fight for your marriage. To fight for that business that you lost in COVID and you feel like God said to restart it. To fight for your health. And the enemy looks like he's gaining ground. But there's a promise and you know that you heard God. It's like, God, I know. Not up here, but I know. What do you do? I'm going to give you some things tonight. Because fighting is never easy. There are moments when you're going to experience doubt, fear. There's moments where people, it, it, it always cracks me up. How many people love you in the good times and when it's hard, then they talk about you and say, well, we didn't really agree with you anyway. I'm like, but you sure didn't say nothing. You was yes, 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 yes. Oh, hold up, step off. You know, so it's funny how even your relationships begin to shift. You begin to find out who's a ride or die. Like, I don't need no flaky friends. I want ride or die people. I want people that like, you my pastor in the good times or bad times. Bobby, we're good friends, good times, bad times. I need ride or die people. I'm just telling you this. And when you're fighting a battle, those are few and far between. And sometimes that's, and I'm going to tell a little bit of it, you got to have those in your life, but it's not the ones you think it is. I'm going to dive into Numbers chapter 13, verse 14, or chapter 14 and 13. It's out of the Old Testament. It's the story of the Israelites. They've been freed from Egyptian slavery. Uh, they have been in the desert. They've reached the promised land. If you hadn't read this story before, I want to encourage you to go back and, and, and read it. It's really where we get our vision as a church because God has four core promises for his Israelite people that we believe he's given to each one of us that we would know him, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. And we could go into that and, and have in the past. But it's a powerful moment where a nation is freed. They're set on a journey to discover what God wants for them. They actually get to the place. Now, they had been praying and crying out, God, free us from Egyptian slavery. God had given them a word, and now they're saying, God, your word, we're waiting for your word to be fulfilled, the fact that you would give us this promised land. And they find themselves, they were prepared on this journey. They've already received the Ten Commandments, remember? Came out of slavery, 
They didn't really know how to live, so God gives them a, a commandments on how to live, the, the values of their life, the morals of their life. He establishes the Levites as priests. He takes a census of the fighting men, and so he's preparing them because they're getting ready to go to the promised land. Now, here's the challenge. Promised land always demands a fight. I wish it didn't. You know, we're like, oh, God, I got your promise. And we, we, we want to put on the dancing shoes, but sometimes you got to put on your battle shoes. The armor, because you can dance for a moment, but I'm telling you, a fight is coming. And anytime God's ever given me a word, there's a battle that's about to ensue. Why? Because think about this. And he, he, I'm not talking about the promise of a new jet, the promise of a bigger house. I reject the prosperity gospel. It is a lie straight from the pit of hell. And I'm just telling you, anything that draws its focus to money and not God himself is absolutely not right. So I'm not talking about the bigger, the better, the more. In fact, I had somebody say, well, if, if it wasn't God, how come everything they have is so blessed? Well, if I was the devil, I would fund a great deception as well and allow them to think it's God the whole time. Here's how you know if it's God or not, and I'm not here to judge nobody and call no names. Does what they're saying take me to the foot of the cross or to go buy more stuff? Should take us to the foot of the cross. We're not supposed to be broke, but that resource goes to advance God's kingdom. Enjoy your life. Anyway, that's, I'm sorry. That's a, it's Wednesday night. I start meddling just a little bit. Here we go, Numbers 13, 1 through 33. So they're about to go into the promise. I'm going to read quite a bit. I'll come back, and I just want to give you a couple of thoughts, but I'm going to read a lot, so stay with me. And I'm going to dive in. I may say a few things, but we're pretty much going to read all the way through. Uh, verse 1, or verse 2, says, The Lord now said to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan. The land that I'm giving to the Israelites, send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So here they are. They've gone through the desert. They're, in the, 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 they're right there at the promised land. But before they go in, God says, I want you to take 12 spies to go spy it out. And he takes one leader from each of the 12 tribes, which I'll talk about in just a moment. To do what? To go spy out what it is that God wants them to possess Verse 17 through 21, the next verses. Moses gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north through the Negev into the hill country. See what the land is like and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak. So they're on an assignment. They're out there going to spy the land. He wants information. Can I tell you, you're never going to take the promised land without getting facts and information. People talk about slaying giants, but they've never named a giant. Well, so somebody told me the other day, well, God's going to God's gonna give, make us debt-free. Okay, what does debt-free look like? Well, debt-free means no debt, okay? How much money do you need to pay off which credit cards? You need to have everything listed out as facts and then even know how many years it would take you to pay it off because that's the natural. That is factual, and it is okay. God is not afraid of facts. In fact, that's wise, and that's what's happening. They're going out there, and they're going to get this information. Are they strong or weak, few or many? See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Remember, they, they've never been here. You've never been to the promise God wants you to possess. So don't assume because assumption is the lowest form of knowledge. 
God will never have you take a promised land on assumptions. Do their towns have walls? Are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your, do your best bring back some samples of the crops that you see. And it happened to be the season for harvesting the first ripe grapes. So they went up, explored the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rahab near Lebo Hamath. Verse 25, after exploring the land for 40 days, 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel and Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit of what, had taken, what they had taken from the land. Verse 27, this was their report to Moses. So remember, everybody's gathered. They're going to tell Moses this report. We entered the land to, that you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. There is the kind of fruit it produces. But, everybody say that word, but. Don't let your butt get in the way. Can't have no big butts. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> I was trying to find a funny way to say it all day on the flight, and I just couldn't figure one. So, I know, I know. But, the people living there are powerful. And their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Verse 30. But Caleb, notice his is not in the conversation. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Look at what he says. So he's recognizing the tide is turning. So you got a man of God standing up because he understands this place was the promise of God. Now, remember, this is not the Israelites that wanted to take this land. And I'm just telling you, you got to be real careful about holy manipulation. Where we get involved and we say, oh, that's the blessing. We try to manipulate God to give us what we want. I'm not talking about that. You cannot manipulate God. you got to stand on some legitimate promises. Like, God, you gave these to me. God, the Bible's full of them. So anyway, he says, but, so he's trying to turn the tide. Look what he said, let's go at once. Let's go take the land. What he understands is this. The enemy is trying to seed in doubt. And the best way to overcome doubt is an immediate response. We've even had that here at this church. You know, we had, we talked about the reality of where we are. And then within days, like doubt starts being spoken and Things say, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. wait, 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 no, no, hold on. Why? Because let's go. Let's get moving. Like why? We're going to advance because this is the promise that God has given to us. Look, he says, we can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. Now, don't you know the enemy, the devil himself, used those people to spread lies and doubt? Be real careful. Listen, every one of you are a leader. Oh, no, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, you lead your family. You lead your friends. You got kids. Listen, what you say impacts more than just you. 
says, the land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt, got those feelings, like grasshoppers. And then that's what they thought too. So, so not only did they get in their feelings, but they began to see themselves as the enemy saw them. God never said to get your enemy's perspective of you. Some of you are so concerned about what people are saying about you. Stop reading all the, the posts. Stop reading all the blogs. I don't care what people say about me. I'm learning. I've got thick skin but a tender heart. And I'm not going to allow the enemy to define my view. Ten spies, they saw the giants as insurmountable obstacles, too big to defeat. Their view was so little of themselves because their view of God was little. Joshua and Caleb's response was totally different. Look at what happens in verse 6 of chapter 14. The two men had explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, Jephunneh tore their clothing they said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing of milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid The people of the people in the land. They are only, listen to this. So you have 10 that have the wrong view and you have two that have the right. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. What's your view? And then look at verse 24, and here's the last part, and then we're going to, I want to give you just a few thoughts. But my servant Caleb, so anyway, they ended up spreading the lies. They, of course, believed the lies. God wants to wipe them out and start over with Moses. Moses pleads and intercedes. And so then he takes out a whole generation of them and they walk around the desert for 40 years. But verse 24, look what it says. But my servant Caleb, because Caleb's the one that's been speaking up, has a different attitude. And one version actually says a different spirit than the others have. What's, what's your spirit like? He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored his descendants will possess it, their share full or their full share of that land. Father, I pray that you would help me share things that the, the principles and the truth that you have revealed to me that I've been living by to help each person fulfill and possess the promises that you have given to them and give us wisdom to discern what is of you and what is not in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, just starting off, some of you need to evaluate whose dream you're living. Because this won't work if you're trying to fulfill your dream. So I just wanted to say that. Just got to throw that out there. Can't be anything you want to be. I told my kids, you know, we used to say it growing up and reserve the right to get better. You can't be anything you want to be. You can only be what God called you to be. Anything else will be false. It'll be a pseudo life. You'll be a fake, phony. Why? Because that's not what God called you to do. Some of you have been fighting for your promise, believing for a miracle, believing God spoke to you about it. 
You've been under attack. The enemy's tried to take you out. Here's why I think he takes a lot of people out. Here's the first, first thought that I have. God's strategy to defeat the enemy requires a team. It's not a joke. It's not maybe, possibly. My question is, who's your team? And I didn't mean to talk about it at the beginning, but the soil of your life, where is it planted? Who's surrounded around you? Who's with you? Who's Listen, when we started this church, we got overseers and trustees and pastors and friends. People, no, There's no major decision in this place that has ever been made in a vacuum. None. In my life, I've got mentors. I've got a pastor. I call my mentors my spiritual advisors. I was just with Pastor Willie and talking to him about some of the things. Listen, you you got to decide what what is your team look like. And the fascinating thing about this, and, and I wanted to just, I mean, it's Wednesday night. I almost did. That every tribe has a unique distinguishing characteristic and gifting that they actually bring some strength that they bring to the whole nation of Israel. And so it's very intentional for the fact that Moses picks one leader from each tribe because of their unique strengths, because of their unique gifts. As they go and explore, which is what God told them to do, go and explore the land, what they see is that each gift causes you to evaluate things differently. So if you want a great strategy, you got to have a great team. Otherwise, your strategy will be one-dimensional. Because you need people that are gifted in all areas, and you're not that person. We're gifted in a couple of areas, and so what does your team look like? And here's the other thing that I would say. In this church, I pray for our pastors and our staff, I mean, just about every single day in this place, because not only... Are we facing battles, but your team is facing battles? So they're not always in your life every second of the day, but the enemy, if he can't take you out, he's trying to take them out. See, they couldn't take Joshua and Caleb, but he got the 10 spies, the others. And I could list the tribes in each tribe. It's very fascinating because uh, Joshua's tribe, it's leadership, it's, it's uh, strategy. And every one of them had these unique giftings on the inside. And, and I'm telling you, you've got to be real careful because he is trying to take you out because you're a part of someone's team as well. The world's never just about building your team. You're building a part of this, and I'm building a part of that, and we're all working together because the kingdom of God advances together. We win together or we lose together. So that's the first thing. Which, who's your team? you got to have a team. Well, I don't have a team. It's just me and God. Okay, you're in trouble. Or you'll never do anything great for God. Jesus had a team. If anybody could have done it by himself, it would be Jesus. And I'm not even talking about the quality of your team because, you know, that comes. I think sometimes you're looking for the, the rock star. I think God sends the diamonds in the rough. If somebody said, well, I want your team. Well, okay, we've been working on this team for a long time. Good, bad, happy, sad. Sometimes he gives us the other, but you got to build a team. Here's the second thought that I just had. It's, and I, I don't have enough time to go deep into all of them. I just want to throw them out there and let you go back in. God's promises will always be tested. 
when you look at the number 40, they went in for 40 days. Uh, 40 represents in the Bible a period of trial, a period of testing, a period of probation. I mean, think about Jesus. He was in the wilderness for 40 days. You think about Moses and the Israelites that spent 40 years in the desert. Or Moses spent 40 years in the backside of a desert. Then the, even the nation of Israel, when they made this mistake, it's 40 years, what, they're being prepared, they're being tested. They, I mean, that's what God does. And so when we look at our promise, if your promise hadn't been tested, it might not have been from God. I always look at it, if you could do it by yourself, then whose dream is it really? There's no dream that's ever been from God for me that's big, that's like I could just make it happen. Even pulling teams, like you pull the team, but the God factor still has to be there. Like otherwise, you just, you just, you just got a bunch of good people. Y'all just went and did something that you could do. I love 2 Thessalonians 3, 3 says, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So if you're being tested, I just want you to know. So here's the other thing. Well, God gave me a promise, and it looks worse today than when he gave me the promise. You're in the right place. (laughs) You're in the right place. God God gave me a word for my marriage, and now it's worse. You're in the right place. You're in the gap. And the gap is dangerous because you'll begin to evaluate by what you see and not what you know. See, when God gave me the word on this building, there was a knowing. It's like, I, I, I got it. I got, it change, listen, it changes the way you respond. I'll never forget, we were in our meeting and, uh, with Paradigm and some of the guys, and they're like, hey, construction costs double. And, uh, and I'll never forget, uh, one of the consultants said, well, you didn't even flinch. And there were two things that I felt came to my heart. The law of continuance. If you got here by a miracle, God will get you there by a miracle. If it starts with a miracle, it ends with a miracle. God didn't bring us here to leave us here. And then the second one, I felt the Lord say, if I'd have told you the real price, you wouldn't have done it. And he's right. I wouldn't have. Because I was a part of a ministry that actually went bankrupt, had 1,000 people on campus, 400-acre campus. I wasn't there when they went bankrupt, but I knew why they did. You can't out-faith stewardship. You understand? So, so God was right. And so I felt like I got duped. You ever feel like you got duped? It's like, if you, you should have told me all of it. And he's like, no, 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 I got you right where I want you. And then this is the next day, I heard, just fight. It's time to fight. It's time to fight. I, I remember I was on a vacation and got a phone call. And it was like the, the worst phone call you could ever get on vacation. He's like, Pastor, I, I don't want to call. Bobby, you remember that? It was July. He's like, I, I hate to even call you. I said, well, okay, just tell me. And he told me. And uh, it, it was dire news. And I'll never forget, it was like, well, what do you do, shut down the construction? And I said, well, no. Do we have money to pay the bills now? He said, yep. I said, well, we don't stop. You keep moving forward. And then we saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. I'm just telling you, if you're in a fight like that, you're in the right place. Get ready because I believe the promise is coming. Here's the third thought I had. Just... Don't let the facts shape your faith. So get the facts, but I'm not going to let the facts change what I believe. So, so many times the more information people get, the more it begins to change them. And and look, again, if you're going to go face a giant, name the giant. 
Did you got sickness in your body? I, I, I mean, and listen, I'm not going to tell you how to live. But go to the doctor. Get a diagnosis. Somebody said, well, then I'm just quitting. No, now I know what devil to fight. I don't want to just live sick. I want to know, okay, this is whatever it is. Call it out and say, thank you, Lord. You've revealed the enemy, and I bind this demonic spirit of. It's not failure to acknowledge a fact. Just don't let the fact change your faith. I mean, think about this. Moses goes out. God sent them out, and he's asking, look, what kind of land do they live in? Is it good or is it bad? This is in verse 17 through 21. Do their towns have walls? Are they unprotected like open campuses? Is their soil fertile? Is it poor? I mean, are there many trees? Bring back samples. What's he saying? He's saying, go get as much information as you possibly can. And here's what I found. Even in the facts, God will give you wisdom and strategy, which is exactly what they're doing. Look, you got to go fight the giant, but you still need a strategy. Prayer is awesome, but listen, I'm telling you, go stand in a bank and pray and see if they give you money. And yet, that's what we want to do, right? I want to pray for my marriage. Well, the question is, have you taken a real diagnostics of your marriage? Where, where are you failing? What's going good? What's not so good? How good? And don't even judge your spouse. Oh, well, I know where they fail. Do you know where you fail? What are your shortcomings? Well, we don't need to get into all that. Well, you actually do. Because then you know how you can build a strategy to fix you. Just telling you people are afraid. They, they want to live in la-la land and don't want to get facts. Get facts. Just remember this. Don't let facts reshape my faith. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. And that's what the word explore. When, when God said go explore the land. You know, when you look up the word explore, it's travel through. It's travel in. It's. In order to what? To learn about the, and familiarize yourself with it. Familiarize yourself with whatever battle you're facing. Every financial battle we had, every construction battle, I had Pavel for all the construction, Bobby for all the finances. Every time, it's like, name it out. What do we need? Let's don't hide it. Let's expose it, and then let's figure out how we're going to fix this and ask God to do what only God can do. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. I love this passage. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it'll move. Nothing is impossible for you. Luke 1, for nothing will be impossible for God. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. I know the facts, but I also know my God. And I'm going to walk out in faith. Faith is not going to allow myself to get paralyzed by the facts. Here's another thought that I have. And I've just got a couple more. One, two, three. Just... You have to define your we. Look at verse 30. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go out once and take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land... With him disagreed. We can't go up against them. Isn't that interesting? I, you know, since becoming an author, words, I mean, I always preached, but writing, I love writing because writing is so specific. 
Every word matters. Every detail matters, even when you study theology. But I love the fact here we're talking about we. Look, when you see these spies, they said, we can't. When you see Caleb, he said, we can. So who's your we? Caleb and Joshua's was we and God. The ten spies was we and them. So when you've got your we and it's only the people that are around you that you can touch and feel and talk to, you're never going to have the faith to overcome the impossible because we can't do it. But then when you begin to look at the we over here, and I got my team right here, and what we need to do is impossible, but in the middle of we is God himself, we can. And that's how come Caleb says, let's go. Let's go. Why? Because his we was defined differently than those who were walking in fear. When God is in the center of your we, you're going to walk in faith. You're going to see it differently. You're going to experience it differently. But, but I, I can tell you this. There's a, it's easy to be a Christian that knows that God's with you, but God's not really with you. You don't really believe God's with you. So your battles encompass who you can put around you, and you're going to fail every single time. Faith, doubt, insecurity. Who's your we? Because when you define your we and you define it correctly, your response is different. Here's another thought that I had. This is one that, that <laughs> don't answer a question God's not asking. Well, pastor, I've never experienced my promise. Yeah, but you're probably answer, answering questions. God never asked you. Look, at the very beginning of all this, God didn't ask them if they could take the giants. He didn't ask them if they could win. He didn't ask them if they could defeat them. He didn't ask for their opinion. Some people, and I found myself loving to give God my opinion and answering questions he's not asking. He didn't ask for my opinion. He said, state facts. So he says, hey, listen, look, look at verse 2. I want to show it to you. The Lord now said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan. The land I'm giving to the Israelites. I don't see any question. I didn't see him ask, do you think we can do it? Hey, hey go ahead, go spy it out. I'm a little insecure. I'm not real sure I can do this one. So why don't you go spy it out and come back and give me your feedback and let's do a team huddle and let's just see if I could possibly beat these giants because they're giant. That's not what he said. He had already made a statement. Some of you have put a question mark where God put a statement, an exclamation point. He didn't ask a question. He made a statement. And then they say, well, here, here's look at verse 33. It says, but the other men who explored the land with him disagreed. So Caleb, he's trying, let's go at once. Take the land. Look and say, they, they disagree. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we. They, so they spread the bad report. So, so we can't go. He didn't ask if you could or couldn't. He didn't even ask. Like, like that, It's not a question. We're going to, and God is there. So here's... here's uh, I got two more thoughts and then I'm done. Let me just say this too. God's not looking for your opinion. He's just looking for obedience. And it's real easy to be obedient when you really believe it's his promise for you. 
And it's easier. I'm not going to say it's easy, but, but when you, I, I never forget when, when I settled that and I just said, God, I'll do it. For, here's, here's what I said. In the, I'll do it for you. And I said, I don't need it. Well, then your motivation changes. Because here's, here's what happened when we got into the building. And this is one of the things that I love. And it's one of the things I, I, every time people drive by, you know what they have to say? Only God could do that. Only God could do that. It's a testament to God's glory. See, when you fulfill the promise that God has for your life, it shouldn't point back to how good you are, how smart you are, the amazing person that you, you know, people you develop. It should all be like, hey, we're, we're okay, but the truth is, my God, he's the reason why we're standing here. He's the reason why this has happened. Here's a, here's a thought. It's in the gap through the delay of a promise when your character is revealed. Look what it says in verse 24. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. So the gap, the season from the prayer to the promise, the contending, the wondering, the questioning, that's when your character is revealed. So many people say, listen, I, I, I want to build character. No, no, your character is being built right now before there's a battle to ever be fought. It's developed before you have a promise that you're pursuing. And then what happens is in the gap, the exposing of your real character and nature, this is what happens. You discover who you really are, what you really believe, what you're really willing to stake your life on, what you're really willing to, to go through to advance the kingdom of God and to bring the kingdom of heaven down to the earth. So how do you know what your attitude is? Here, here's a few things I thought. Here's the number one way you can know your attitude. And we know all the self-help stuff. Attitude determines altitude. You know, we, we got all that. But, but how do you know? Listen to what you say. Watch your words. Your attitude is revealed through the words that you speak. So think about the, the spies. Griping, complaining, Grumbling. So if you find yourself in a gap and you're complaining about that gap, if you find yourself in a hard time and you're grumbling about it, if you find yourself in a hard place and you're talking about why God should but didn't and all that you've done and I can't believe and all those different things, think, think about it. It's exposing your heart and the very thing that you want, you have sabotaged. Don't blame it on the devil. Don't blame it on an enemy. Don't blame it on the economy. Just, just blame it where the blame is due, which is the fact that we haven't built the character to possess the promise that we're asking God to fulfill. Let me think about it. They, they went back to, they, they even said we would be better off in Egyptian slavery. Think about how, Terrible that mindset is. Like, oh, for real? Oh, for real. Okay. Okay. You'd be better off being murdered by Pharaoh and the Egyptians and better off not only building bricks but collecting the straw to build the bricks. Okay. Boy, we have short-term memory of what God has done in our life. He delivered them. He destroyed Pharaoh and the Egyptians. He provided every single step of the way. And they weren't even faithful on the journey. They created false images. They angered God, and yet God was so merciful and gracious. But, man, we sure forget. And then here's the last thing that I just thought. For me, the words you speak determine the destiny of your life and the life of those you lead. Words are powerful. They, they estimate about a million people 
died because of 10 spies report. I mean, imagine that. Your life impacts so many more people than just you. And the report of what you say, here's what I'm learning. Less is more. And my mom used to always say this, and as a teenager, I just always said, if you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. Anybody ever hear that? We need to bring that back. Like, you ain't got anything good to say, just don't say nothing at all. We say, just, just, that ought to be our new, our new language. It's like somebody's complaining or says, doubt, fear. <laughs> don't be a dream snatcher. We, in my family, we all, we have clown, we'll say dream snatcher. Don't be a dream snatcher. Be a dream snatcher. What am I saying? That your words are powerful. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. Proverbs 13, 3, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He opens wide his lips, comes to ruin. I think some of us have ruined the promise by just what we've spoken. And here's what I, here's what I love tonight. I ended on this one intentionally is that it's easy for us to run our mouth. Here's what I have found. When pressure builds, think about how diamonds are formed and it's all under pressure. Coal's compressed and it's pressurized. And you don't want to relieve the pressure. The development of that diamond will not come be, be fully complete. I mean, you want the pressure. And what I have found is we get all this pressure on our life and you can't really do anything about external circumstances, but the pressure valve that we release it, like on an air compressor, you got a little button, is you push it, it lets all the air out of the compressor, is your mouth. So you're still fighting the battle you're fighting. You're feeling pretty good and spiritual and God's like, just close your mouth and you're like, oh, but I will, but I want them to pray for it. And so you go talk about whatever and you try to get prayer, but you're really just releasing the pressure. And you start to say things. And what I've learned is I have been the biggest hindrance to experiencing God's best in my life because of the words I said when I was under pressure. I've literally said something, and, and I can go back to the day, and it took me two years to go back to that same situation, all because I said something flippantly in a meeting with one of my bosses. Two years. I'll never forget that meeting. And I thought I was just going to pop off, just say something flippantly, just casually. Just, and, and what I felt like the Lord said, you were almost there, but we got to go back under pressure. Let me see if you can get there this time without saying, without holy hinting. Anybody ever holy hit? Like struggling, you're like, whatever. Because secretly you're trying to get the pressure out. Somebody help me. God's like, yeah, yeah, that's right where I want you. Just, I'm your source. Father, we thank you for tonight. Maybe we could just stand up. Can we just stand up in this place? We're going to... I really felt the pain of some of you that came tonight and I could feel the battle. I mean, it's really painful if you think about it.
to see the promise but not be able to obtain the promise. To know you're close, but I don't really know what's sabotaging it. And here's what I really believe. I think the devil gets way too much credit for what we do in our lives. And tonight, here's, so I went back to my, like, I didn't preach this sermon, but I went back to the moving forward, and I just started going back through it, and I said, God, give me new stuff today that I can look at for me, because, listen, we're still fighting a battle, even over this building. I mean, you, you're sitting here. Why? Because sometimes those battles go on. I wish it was one and done, baby, but it's not. Sometimes you're ready for a new level just so you can fight a new devil. You know what I mean? But here's what I've committed to. I'm not stopping, and I'm not going to sabotage what God wants to do. And then here's, here's what I love about it. If it happens the way I want it to happen, to God be the glory. If it doesn't, to God be the glory. It's not mine anyway. And that's where we realize it's like, okay, God, it's... And it just recenters you, and it's, okay, God, but I'm not going to sabotage. Help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. Yeah.